Good morning, everyone. If we've not met before, my name is Matt, although I've been full-named this morning by Melanie Jane Crane. Um, I am one of the elders here at Real Life Church, which is an absolute privilege. I am a husband uh, to Phil. I am a father of two lovely children, which is an absolute privilege and blessing to be husband to Phil, obviously. Um, two, two now secondary-age children. That's a little bit scary. They're getting older and older. Um, Monday to Wednesday, I work as an assistant head teacher in a secondary school in Warsaw, and Thursday and Friday, I get to work for this lovely church, mainly looking after life groups with my beautiful and amazing wife, um, and heading up some kind of the community stuff we do. Um, if you're kind of new here, that's who I am. If you've not seen me up here for a while, that's because I've had a bit of a break from preaching this year, and I just wanted to say thank you particularly to Melanie Stewart, Jeremy, um, for letting me have that break this year. Um, I lost my mum and my dad this year, um, so I've been kind of struggling with grief, and it's not because my relationship with God has declined. We've had some difficult conversations with God this year. It's been a really tough year, um, but just in that processing of grief, I needed some time, some space. It's not over. I know there are other people at church um, processing exactly the same things, but that's why I've had a bit of a break, so thank you guys. I really appreciate that space, um, but today I'm back, so I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Well... We'll, we'll see what happens. And also the jacket's back. Yes. Um, and for those of you listening online, the young, um, fit-looking, athletic preacher took to the stage <laughs> in a lovely Christmas jacket. Um, I don't know. It looks great. They missed out. They should have been here, shouldn't they? Sorry. Carry on. Good morning, Real Life Church. If you don't know me, my name is Katie. I'm married to David, and I have two beautiful girls called Sophie and Lucia, who are 13 and 10. Uh, in church, I lead a kids team in one to three. I oversee the year's one to three kids teams. Um, I'm also involved in the writing team, which means I get to contribute to the, the material that goes out into kids' work and what we teach them. And I've recently joined a messy team. So last week, uh, I had the privilege of helping to lead the messy Christmas event at Castle Vale. Woo! We get to do this together, which is absolutely brilliant. Um, so today, we're going to be looking at the same passage in Luke as last week. Um, the theme for December is the spirit of Christmas, and kind of the tagline of that is that the Bible says the spirit of Christmas is the Holy Spirit, and he is the spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is all over the Christmas story, which we'll look at today, moving in and out of everything that happens. We know that he is all about Jesus. He loves Jesus and wants everyone everywhere to love him and follow him. So last week, Melanie and Matthew looked through some of the prophecies in the Old Testament and kind of the foretelling of the coming of Jesus. Next week at the carol service, Melanie is going to be preaching with Ben. Give Ben, he's not actually here, he won't know. Um, and they're going to kind of do a summing up of the whole series, looking at yesterday, today, tomorrow. And that service is a brilliant service to invite people to. I've not really met anyone that gets offended when you say, do you want to come to a carol service? So I'd just love to encourage you to be inviting people, asking people to come. There'll be a gospel message. We'll be talking about the Holy Spirit. We'll be singing carols, and we'll be giving praise to Jesus. So please do invite people along. And today, we're going to be looking at kind of how the Holy Spirit works and what he does. Right, so hopefully behind me on the screen, you can see some lovely photos of my beautiful girls in their different roles in the nativity plays. So 
Sophie, sorry, I'm embarrassing you now. <laughs> Top left, uh, the first two pictures, we have Sophie, who is a shepherd, uh, looking very cute with her curls. And then on the top right, she was a person of Bethlehem in her nativity that year. Uh, then we have a beautiful picture of both of them together. So you can see that Sophie is Mary. Not sure if you can work out which role Lucia has there from that picture. She was a present for baby Jesus. And she took that role very seriously, stomping around the stage. Uh, then you can see Lucia, who's dressed as a very happy Christmas star. And then in the final picture, Lucia is a Christmas angel doing a little dance. I wish they were still that young. <laughs> so we're quite familiar with these characters in the Christmas story. I know some schools do add in extras like a tree or a lobster. Um, in fact, one kid in church last week told me that in this, year, this year's nativity, she gets to be Catwoman. So quite interesting. But generally, we are, we are familiar with these characters in the Christmas nativity. But we don't often talk or hear about the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is everywhere in the Christmas story. And so we're going to be looking at that this morning. So we're going to turn to the book of Luke, chapter 1, verses 26 to 45. You can look this up in your own Bibles, or the verse will be on the screen behind us. So that's Luke 1, 26 to 45. The birth of Jesus foretold. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favoured woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy. And he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leapt within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. So in the first part of this passage, we read how Mary is told that she will become pregnant and give birth to a baby boy. Not any baby boy, but she's told that he will be the son of the Most High. That's a lot to take in for a young girl, isn't it? And so she rightly asks, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replies, 
the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So by the Holy Spirit, a virgin becomes pregnant and will give birth to the Son of God. How incredible is that? There was no human input. It went against the rules of biology. And it's actually quite difficult for us to get our head around. But it's amazing. It's a beautiful miracle by the power of the Holy Spirit. So without the Holy Spirit, there would be no virgin birth. And at this point, Mary could have said no. Having an angel appear before her, bringing news that she was going to give birth to the Son of God, the shame that she would have to face, the disgrace it would bring on her family. And at this point, she didn't know how Joseph was going to react. She didn't know if he was going to support her. It was only by the power of the Holy Spirit that she was able to say yes. It was because of the Holy Spirit that she was able to live out God's plan. Then we read about Mary visiting Elizabeth, and the Holy Spirit is evident here too. Firstly, as soon as Elizabeth hears Mary's greeting, her baby leaps for joy in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. This is repeated again in verse 44 when Elizabeth says, The baby in my womb jumped for joy. It's a fulfillment of what an angel had said to Zechariah earlier in Luke, that his son would be filled with the Holy Spirit even before birth. How incredible that a baby can leap for joy in a womb because of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who tells Elizabeth about Mary. There's no dialogue here between Mary and Elizabeth. Elizabeth hears Mary's greeting, is filled with the Holy Spirit, and only then does she know about Mary's situation. It's the Holy Spirit who reveals God's plan to Elizabeth. Again, he is pointing to Jesus. Now, if we look ahead to a different part of the Christmas story, in Luke 2, verses 8 to 15, we read about the shepherds. In verse 8, it tells us, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. Then in verse 15, we read, When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So it's an angel of the Lord who appears to the shepherds and tells them about Jesus. But the Holy Spirit is still at work. We read in verse 9 that the shepherds were terrified. They were absolutely terrified. They were just guarding their sheep at night like they had done for years when an angel of the Lord appears to them. It's pretty scary. But in verse 15, we hear the shepherds saying, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened. The Holy Spirit gave them conviction that what the angel had said was true. It was the power of the Holy Spirit who filled their hearts with excitement and intrigue. If we look at the wise men's part in the Christmas story, we see a familiar thread. So in Matthew 2, we read how the wise men from eastern lands were looking for the newborn king of the Jews. It says, The star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. So it isn't clear how the wise men were told about the birth of Jesus, but we do know that they followed a star hundreds of miles just to meet the newborn king of the Jews. The Holy Spirit is at work again here. He put the desire to meet Jesus in their hearts. He gave them conviction about following that star. He helped them on their journey and guided them to Jesus. So without the Holy Spirit working in them, neither the shepherds nor the wise men would have found Jesus. 
If we look at how these people responded to the Holy Spirit, we note that being filled with the Holy Spirit is followed by a response of praise, obedience, trust, joy, a desire to meet Jesus and a fulfillment of God's plan. That same power present in the Christmas story is available to us too. The Holy Spirit empowers us to live out God's calling on our lives. Brilliant. Thank you, Katie. I have to say, it's been quite a different experience preparing for the um, preach today. But I just want to say, Katie, thank you, because it's been really good fun over the last few weeks, really kind of getting into this passage, learning from each other, talking about it, praying it through. It's been really good. So thank you. Appreciate that. Um, so... Let's look back at um, the two questions that Zechariah and Mary ask. So uh, just before the passage we read, we've got Zechariah um, at home, and the angel appears to Zechariah. So the angel appears to Zechariah and says, um, your wife, who's been barren for many, many years, who is well along in her years, which is um, an interesting statement. I would dare you to say that to your wives, gentlemen. Um, but she's old, isn't she? She's old, um, beyond normal kind of childbearing age, um, beyond the middle age years. Um, but she's going to have a baby. Um, so the angel is there telling him this stuff. And he, yeah, it's an angel. And his response, how can I be sure this will happen? Um, and for me, I was kind of thinking, well, if, if an angel appeared to me and told me he knows me, he knows the prayers, he knows we wanted this baby, um, my wife is barren and well along he is, and the angel said, this is going to happen, I'm not sure my response would be, well, basically, prove it, show me. What, how, what? And there's, there's something in his response which is a bit like, show me how this is going to happen. God. And there's, we know there's a, there's a slight kind of lack of faith edge to it because then there's a rebuke, isn't there? And you read at the start of Luke that um, the angel says, basically, um, Zechariah will be silent and un unable to speak until the child is born. So there's some sort of rebuke there, a lesson for him to learn, if you like, um, in his response. So big angel, well, I assume big angel. It's an angel, isn't it? And his response is, how? So Mary... Mary has an angel appear to her, and the angel appears to Mary um, and, you know, again, says what is going to happen. She is going to have a child. She is a virgin. She will have a child, and this child will be the son of God. He will be the savior of the world. And she responds, doesn't she, as well, with, how can this happen? Um, but there's a slight difference in her tone here. You'll notice there's no rebuke for Mary. There's no kind of lesson to learn in her response. So I kind of think you need to read her response as a, oh, wow, how, how's this going to happen? And it made me think we bought our kids um, tickets to Matilda um, at Christmas one year. And they, they had the thing that said, we've got tickets to Matilda. Um, but still their response is, oh my gosh, how, how? How are we going to go? And it wasn't that the tickets weren't real, it wasn't that the thing wasn't real, but their response was, this is so amazing, how is this going to happen? I'm just so pleased. And I think Mary's response has more of that side to it. It's a, she loves God, God dwells within her, she knows God. How are you going to do this? Um, and there's no rebuke in her response um, towards her. And the answer that the angel gives is this will happen by the power of the Holy Spirit who will overshadow you. And in Matthew it says, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Zechariah does get the point. He learns the lesson. He sees God at work in this situation. He's able to speak again. He's able to praise God again. So he does get there. But Mary's 
response, I think, is one of kind of awe and wonder. How is this going to happen? And the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the spirit of Christmas, it's a, it's a spiritual response to a physical impossibility. How will I be pregnant? But notice that as we stand here looking at this baby in the manger that is here for a reason, just to remind us, that the spiritual response to a physical impossibility is a physical and a spiritual manifestation on this earth. There is a physical outcome to this response. The power of the Holy Spirit will bring forth this baby Jesus. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He was fully man, fully God, walking on this earth. And he was here because of the power of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit's not just kind of guidance, revelation, um, conviction, boldness. All those things are really important. That's all part of the power of the Holy Spirit. But I want to just talk for a few minutes about is the, the physical manifestation, the physical outworking of this power of the Holy Spirit. And the word that Luke used here, thanks for this, Katie. Um, I'll see if I get this right, dunamis, um, which is, um, it's kind of the meaning behind it is uh, the power, the force flowing from a person to give them the ability to do supernatural things like miracles. It carries a sense of the almighty work that accomplishes something. And this is the power of the Holy Spirit that Luke talks about. He uses the word power 20 times in Luke, 22 times in Acts. He talks a lot about the power um, of the Holy Spirit, and that's what he's referring to when he talks about power. And he often um, talks about healing at the same time. So this power of the Holy Spirit has a physical manifestation. Um, Luke 4, Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. And then he stands up and reads, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to bring good news to the poor. Captives will be released. The blind will see. In Luke 5, the report of Jesus' power spread even faster, and vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. Luke 6, everyone tried to touch him, Jesus, because healing power went out from him, and he healed everyone. Luke 8, but Jesus said, someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go out from me. So there's loads more references within Luke and Acts, but there is clearly a physical aspect um, to the power of the Holy Spirit, which Luke is recording for us here in the life of Jesus. And the good news is that same power is there for us today. Let's go to Luke 24. Jesus says, And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Fills us with power from heaven. So this same power of the Holy Spirit we've been talking about, the same power that brought Jesus to this earth in this physical creation, conceived him in the mother's womb. The same power that um, caused Elizabeth who was barren and well along in years to become pregnant. The same power lives in us and is available for us and will flow through us into our lives and the lives of the people around us. So when we look at this baby in the manger, um, there's a picture that will appear behind me as well. Um, when we look at the baby in the manger, we are looking at the physical evidence of the power of the Holy Spirit. And our response has to be to bring our physical problems to Jesus. We need to bring them to Jesus and ask in faith, like Mary, how can this happen? And the response will be, 
by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we read in this passage, the word of God will never fail. And that's often translated as, with God, all things are possible. How are they possible? By the power of the Spirit of Christmas, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. So things we need to be bringing to God. These were just some of the things that kind of came to mind as we were preparing and praying about this. Problems we can bring to God. And in all of these, the answer is by the power of the Holy Spirit. How can my anxiety end? How can my depression be gone? How will I continue with life while my grief is so overwhelming? By the power of the Holy Spirit. How will I cope with the pressure of exams and school? How will I find friends and not feel alone? By the power of the Holy Spirit. How can I be healed of this chronic medical condition? How can my marriage be saved? How can my children give their lives to following Jesus? How am I going to find a home to live in? How am I going to keep going when everything around me is just too much and seems desperately impossible? The answer, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christmas. His power brings change. His power brings freedom. It doesn't always bring it at the moment we're asking and wanting it, but Jesus, he hears our prayers, and the power of the Holy Spirit is the answer. So I'm going to keep asking in faith for these things. I'm going to keep asking in faith, how can this happen? I know the response is the Holy Spirit, and we'll talk about kind of how we can keep walking in that. Just encourage you to bring those questions to God, particularly today. Um, also want to notice in this story that this power of the Holy Spirit um, is kind of, he was working in this story um, all the way through the life of Jesus. He was there in Jesus' conception. He, he caused this baby to be conceived in Mary's womb. But actually, the Holy Spirit was in Jesus' life before that. We heard about that last week, didn't we? And the prophecies and the foretelling of what was to come in the life of Jesus. That was the Holy Spirit at the work in his life. And then we see Jesus walk on in his life by the power of the Holy Spirit through miracles and setting people free and, and continuing through his life. He, he was there in all of it. And the same, again, is true for us, that the Holy Spirit was at work in us before our salvation. He was at work in us in our salvation, and he'll be at work in us for the rest of our lives and for all eternity. Um, when we were created, when we were born, the Holy Spirit breathed life into us. If the Holy Spirit left us, we would return to dust. It says that in Job. The Holy Spirit is alive and at work in us. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we are adopted as sons to God, sons and daughters to God. We are adopted into his family because of the power of the Holy Spirit. There are loads of references that talk about the Holy Spirit being at work in us throughout our lives. Um, and kind of why is that important? I think that's important. We wanted to talk about it today because the activity of the Holy Spirit doesn't start at this thing we talk about, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is a, it's kind of an extra measure. It's a deep soaking of the Spirit. It's quite often a life-changing moment when we start to know and hear the Spirit of God more in our lives. But it's part of our journey with God, with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit. He's at work in all of our lives. And we know that there's some people in this room, because we've had conversations with you, um, that say, I'm not filled with the Spirit. 
that they're perhaps apprehensive or scared or reluctant to be filled with the Spirit or to be prayed for, to be baptized in the Spirit, to get this extra mixture, this extra filling, this extra experience of the Holy Spirit and knowledge of Him. But the truth is, if you're already here today, you've heard about Jesus. If you're alive today, if you're saved, if you're adopted into the family of Christ, if Jesus has already been revealed to you, he's already in you and working. The Holy Spirit is already at work in every single person here. So if you're one of those people that kind of says, I'm not sure about this whole Holy Spirit thing. Well, I'm sorry, not sorry to say, the Holy Spirit is already at work in you. You live, you breathe, you're alive You've heard about Jesus. The Holy Spirit is already at work in you. So part of our response today is just to say, if you're one of those people, that's fine. I get that. I've been there, done that, worn the T-shirt, been, but what is all this about? But actually, for me, I found that really releasing, that the Holy Spirit is already at work in my life. So all I'm doing is getting in tune with God in me, in my life, listening, learning more um, as I walk through. Uh, Okay, point made. Um, it, makes, it makes sense, doesn't it? It's, it's kind of no surprise as well that many people do feel scared or apprehensive about the power of the Holy Spirit when that's the power that we need to live in the fullness of life that God intended for us. Um, it's the way we work out our calling. It's the power that sustains, it encourages. And of course, Satan would try to undermine that as well um, and try to plant seeds of doubt or worry to keep us from accessing this power. But in the spirit of the Lord, there is freedom. The spirit of the Lord brings freedom. God brings freedom. God brings salvation. So um, we'd love to pray for you this morning if that does apply to you. And if you're still nervous and worried, it's not a scary thing. The Holy Spirit breathes life into every person in this room. So the Holy Spirit is in the Christmas story. The Holy Spirit is power that is a physical comes out of the spiritual response to a physical question in a physical form. And we know the Holy Spirit's at work in all our lives. So what do we do with this? How do we respond to this? How do we move forward? How do we take this and see our lives change? Well, well, number one, we fix our, li- our, our lives. See, we do. We fix our eyes on Jesus. We fix our eyes on Jesus. Um, he is the one that the Spirit of Christmas has revealed to us, and we put our hope in Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit wants us to do. It's quite counterculture, isn't it? To put all our hope in one thing, to put all our eggs in one basket. But the Spirit of Christmas says, put your hope in Jesus. And if you've already met Jesus and you're walking with Jesus, that's amazing. If you haven't yet, if you haven't yet made a decision to follow Jesus, to say, okay, I want to explore this a bit more, um, I'd, I'd love to talk to you, we'd love to pray with you, we'd love to see you continue on your journey. I spoke to someone earlier in the year, and I kind of said, with, with Jesus, there is no fence. You're, we've all got questions, haven't we? We've all got questions about life. Zechariah, Elizabeth, Mary have all got questions. But Mary was asking these questions from a point on this side of the fence. She knew God, she was walking with God, and she asked him questions. How is this possible? Um, or you're over on this side of the fence. You've still got questions, how is this possible, but you're not walking with God. Um, and I was talking to this person earlier in the year, and I said, well, actually, you've got to make a decision. You kind of, 
you're saying God exists, God is real, you think Jesus is real, so ultimately you've got to decide, am I going to stand on this side that says I'm going to follow Jesus, I haven't got all the answers, but I'm going to keep asking questions, but I want to go after Jesus and find out more, but I know I am saved, I know I will live with Jesus for all eternity, I know I'm loved, adopted, um, treasured by this God, or am I going to stay on this side of the fence and keep asking questions where actually I haven't really encountered or met God yet? I'm still a bit nervous, but I'm not quite ready. And I would just encourage you, if you kind of relate to any of that, just to think, what is my response to Jesus in the manger going to be? What is my response to the power of God, the Holy Spirit working in this baby in the manger, bringing him to earth to save us? What's my response going to be? Um, and if you want to find out a bit more, we've got Alpha courses. We've got loads of people in this room that would love to talk to you um, about that journey. Paul, give us a wave. Rob, give us a wave. Hannah, is Hannah here? Alpha team, Charlotte, they're all out as well, aren't they? But just chat to us. We'd love to talk to you more about Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit wants for us, to meet and encounter Jesus. Our response then is to leap for joy. Um, also, to know his power. The Holy Spirit, we've said, is already at work in us. The same power by which Jesus was conceived, by which the prophets foretold is coming back at creation, breathing life into all creation. Um, So if you do know Jesus and you're following him, um, but you're a bit nervous about the Holy Spirit, again, we've said we'd love to pray with you. Best thing to do is to fix your eyes on Jesus. Point number one, the Holy Spirit wants us to fix our eyes on Jesus. So when we fix our eyes on Jesus, we're working with the Holy Spirit. We're listening to his prompting, to his guide. So how do we fix our eyes on Jesus? You can come to church on a Sunday morning. Great job. Tick. Um, Read your Bible. Pray. Journal. Listen to preaches. Worship. Worship more. Worship some more. Talk about him. Have conversations about the Bible and about God. Come to life group. Because in life group, you will have those conversations about God, and they are awesome. We can pray for each other and look after each other. Come to prayer meetings. Come with other believers and pray together and worship together. Fix our eyes on Jesus. And as we do that, just keep asking for the Holy Spirit to reveal to you more of who Jesus is. Just keep asking. The Holy Spirit wants to reveal more of Jesus. So just keep asking, keep asking, and pause pause, listen. Give the Holy Spirit time to speak into your life. Mel's done some really good preaches on this in particular recently. There was Inside Out, which is on the website. Um, Some really good application. How do I walk with the Spirit in my life? I'd encourage you, if you go on our website, in the little box, you can type um, Melanie, or you can type Holy Spirit, and there's some really good talks on there to help us walk in with the Holy Spirit. Um, You know, it's the Holy Spirit I'm bigging up here, it's fun. Um, Yeah, so just keep asking. And if you think there's more for you, if you think you haven't yet experienced the full measure of this power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit we're talking about, what do we do? We fix our eyes on Jesus and we ask for more. I want to know more, I want to hear more, I want to experience more, because I want to be closer to Jesus. And then finally, remember that nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible by the power of the Holy Spirit. Mary asked, how is this possible? And we're going to encourage you today to ask, how is this possible in the face of the impossible? And you know what the response is going to be? It's going to be by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christmas empowers us, and Jesus promised the Holy Spirit would be poured out on us, and this has happened. Let's follow his example and walk in that power of the Spirit.
I'll show you all that stuff. So as I was preparing for today, I felt the Holy Spirit stir, and I feel like he wants to challenge us. I've heard recently people say, I don't do Christmas. It's too hard. And I feel like some of us are feeling a similar way about this Christmas. Maybe you've lost a loved one at this time of year. Maybe you're in a really dark, difficult season, and the thought of celebrating Christmas is really daunting or almost impossible. I feel that some of us might have our focus on the financial aspect of Christmas, and you might be worrying about how am I going to put a dinner on the table? How am I going to get gifts for my, for my kids, for my family? I feel like there are some of us who are struggling physically and mentally, and this season is really, really hard. And there might be some of us, and I hold my hands up to this one, who don't want to make Christmas too much about Jesus because their family aren't saved. And so I just want, the, I want to encourage you to be open to the Holy Spirit. Just as the Holy Spirit was everywhere in the Christmas story, he wants to be everywhere in our Christmas story and beyond. So I just encourage you to make room for him, to be open and just allow him to, to work because we know the power of the Holy Spirit has the power to change. And it helps us keep our eyes on Jesus. He points us to Jesus. Thank you. So let's stand together if we can. Worship team, do you want to start coming up? We'd love to pray. The Spirit of Christmas, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. Part of the Trinity, God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, who interact in many different ways. And it's not like we take one or the other. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And today, as we talk about the Holy Spirit, we talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. We talk about how the Holy Spirit breathed life into us, walked through life with us, revealed Jesus to us, and continues to empower us to walk in this life. And... As he points us to Jesus, what better response than to, to worship, to pray. Um, and as we do that, as we fix our eyes on Jesus together this morning, um, I would encourage you just to, just to hold out your hands. And if there's anything this morning that's come to mind, that's already in your mind, that's the prompting of the Holy Spirit, I'd really encourage you not to leave here today without praying with someone, without just tapping someone on the shoulder and saying, can you pray with me today? I want to know the power of the Holy Spirit in this area. I want to know the power of the Holy Spirit in my anxiety, in my depression, in my grief, in my exams, in my feeling of isolation, in my, in my medical conditions, in my marriage, in my family, in my children, my parents, in my practical and physical needs, having enough money, having enough food, in the busyness of life, I want to know more of Jesus. I want to know more of my Savior, the one who came to earth, fully man, fully God, and went to the cross for me. He gave his life for me. And he walked in the power of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus, we want to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit that you have promised to all of us. Thank you 
that you promised to pour out that power, that you promised to flow through us into the miraculous, into the physical and into the spiritual. We know it's natural that there's a a physical response to a Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for what you gave for us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for filling us, for guiding us, for empowering us. We lift up our lives to you. Say, come, Spirit, flow. Spirit, fill us up again. Show us more of Jesus. Show us more of the wonder of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.